Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I, I've i developed a Pomplamoose LaCroix problem. Oh no. The, the, it was on sale at Target, the, the which is the drink. most Pomplamoose LaCroix sentence in the English language. Now, here's here's my question. Would If it were just called Grapefruit LaCroix... Would you still uh, drink it with the same brio with which you drink Pomplamoose LaCroix? Okay, so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. A Pomplamoose is not a grapefruit. Wait, what? I thought that was just the French for grapefruit. No, like, there's another... If if you Google Pomplamoose, it's another type. It looks like a grapefruit, but it's smaller than a grapefruit and larger than a pear that's so it's like a weird oh no oh no oh no what it's true that there is that oh i'm upset oh what did what did we find out so i learned that what i thought was a pomplamoose is actually a pomelo oh fuck oh no quincy i'm so sorry you had to find out like this are you okay hold on a a damn minute no (laughs) pomplamoose as spelled on the can is just french for grapefruit right but pomplamoose the fruit is an actual other word for pomelo but pomplamoose the band was an embarrassing early 2010s youtube excess where it was very bad covers of songs uh by a uh, uh, white dude and white lady duo. So so now I'm upset because I don't know what I've been drinking all week. You know, some is th- it pomelo or is it grapefruit? You know, you think you know a sparkling beverage, and then you you have the wool pulled from your eyes, and it's like you know you wake up next to a stranger. Just I am going to complain to that Target manager. <laughs> first thing in the morning i know it was you steve you broke my heart <laughs> see this is i i actually this is my I, I think this is how my early 30s are going i got i was getting steamed reading a uh, a, a listicle ranking the lacroixes um <laughs> the lacroix the lacroix um and i think like the 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 last one on the list was coconut and it was like ah coconut is terrible and i'm like you leave coconut LaCroix's name out of your goddamn mouth. And I was like, I was getting legitimately upset and I realized like, you know, some people care about actual things. Me, I care about apparently LaCroix. Um, So we need to talk about this kid with 526 teeth. Oh, fuck. I, now, three different people messaged me. separately and without your brain is that clear god damn you know and and this is the thing is sometimes you know you 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 uh hit on a thing that is part of your brand that you know maybe a couple of years into it you're like ugh, everybody stop messaging me messaging me every time there's you know a spider who impregnates somebody eyeball somebody's eyeball or whatever um legitimately though teeth send me teeth stuff love teeth stuff so the thing that drives that 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 really uh, makes me just lose my mind about the kid who they removed five hundred twenty six teeth from those well, technically from the tumor that they removed from his jaw. Yes, yes, there was now, and this is his body doing its best. This is <laughs> I gotta I gotta grow some more teeth. I guess we gotta fucking improve production. 
Uh, here? I made Won't you... Won't it be a kick in his dick when he has to get his wisdom teeth removed? Oh, you know, this kid has gone through enough tooth removal for a lifetime. So the other thing about it is that uh, all of these two teeth were removed from his lower jaw. Uh, initially, I had understood this to mean that 526 teeth had just been, like, mined from his head. Like just from the the entire child skull and no yeah uh, all all lower jaw and then the way that they arranged it it was like they they did this like cute little spiral with the teeth when they arranged it um my complaint is those are not all teeth many of those are what i would term teeth fragments oh for sure like those are not full teeth i think it's that um there were 526 separate chunks of tooth bone inside this tumor that was like a hush puppy full <laughs> hush puppy full of teeth. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus, that's the worst thing I've ever said. Uh, but yeah, the teeth, it makes me think about the fact that teeth are just exposed bone. Really? That's just bones. Yeah, yeah, it's just bones that you brush. Yeah, when you, when, when, you know, you, when you grin, that's just, yeah. Although this makes me think of, um, so Mallory O'Mara, I think my favorite story, uh, that I've ever heard. So Mallory, uh, when, when she was a kid, this is my favorite, uh, kids are fucking aliens story. Uh, when her teeth fell out, uh, as a child, she saved the teeth and continued brushing them because she thought that's just what you do. <laughs> just because your teeth fall out doesn't mean you stop brushing them. They're still your teeth. You still gotta brush those teeth. Um, so tell me your we- your weirdest childhood tooth story. Oh, there's a whole lot of weird teeth stories. I um, so what? Well, yeah, about- it's your brand. It's weird teeth stories. Yeah, it's weird teeth stories. I uh, one time uh, specifically. Uh, my tooth fell out in the middle of, uh, I was in the cafeteria uh, in my elementary school and I was just like, I was at the time I was eating mac and cheese. I put it in my mouth, pulled the spoon out and there was a tooth on the spoon and everybody at my table started yelling and like jumping away because they thought that my teeth were all falling out. Um, that stress dream came to life. You know, and apparently what the stress dream where your teeth are falling out uh, is about a fear of a loss of control, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's what pop psychology books have told me. Yeah, but, uh, which, um, you know, all of those books are completely true. Uh, so do you have any weird tooth stories from when you were a kid? Yeah, so uh, when I was in kindergarten, I got pushed off the swing set, and before I was able to stand up, the kid on the opposite on the swing next to the one I was pushed off uh, swung forward and kicked me in the face. And um, when my dad picked me up from school that day, he's like, Hey, I heard you had an accident. Did they find your tooth? And I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) And my front tooth was just knocked the fuck out of my head and (laughs) never found it again. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That's so your tooth is still at large out there. Yeah, it's somewhere at the bottom of that mulch uh, <laughs> pit. So you could you could have a beautiful sun out there that like took a root in the mulch, and you know it's your DNA. Like it's grown into uh, a sun that you don't recognize. Yeah, I mean, if if I know anything about teeth, it's that when you plant them like Jason and the Argonauts, they grow <laughs> wretched hairy houses. <laughs> fiends that's yeah listen there are like three things i'm sure of in this world and and that's one of them 
Um, so what ghoul shit have you been up to this week, Ryan? I have been snout deep in the rulebook for a tabletop RPG called uh, Goblin Quest. Oh, I fucking love Goblin Quest. Quincy, have you played Goblin Quest? Yes, I've played Goblin Quest. God. I love it terribly. Is There's it... a Cthulhu mod for Goblin Quest. No, get out. Yeah. Well, yeah. so where you're just cultists, and because oh my Goblin Quest is designed to die, it's like me in. Um, so for some reason, when I was speaking back to the playground, probably because I got my tooth knocked out, mm -hmm. when we were in the playground, and I would like we'd be playing like cops and robbers and stuff, I'd be like, "Up, oh, I died. I got eaten by lava. Now I'm a new guy." <laughs> And Jesus. that is Goblin Quest the game. It's literally, hey, you're supposed to die in this game as frequently as possible. Yeah, and so, yeah, the idea behind it is that, you know, you are a, a family of goblins, and you've got a task like, go pick up a gallon of milk at the store, or make an omelet. And it's like, yeah, our mission was to make an omelet and 13 goblins died. Um, <laughs> and at the end of wonderful. the game you're supposed to eulogize everyone who died so they're like yeah. budget out enough time to talk about every single character that's died during your session well and this is all right so uh i'm i'm, I'm gonna cut a, a brief promo uh on the podcast about dungeons and dragons which is that dungeons and dragons is bad by which i mean uh, and i've played a lot of D, &D in my life i've I'm, i've been fond of it many times but I stumbled onto this article that was sort of like, you know, meant to help you find the RPG that you might actually like to play. And it sort of breaks down why D&D &D as a system just fucking sucks. Um, it's kind of eye-opening because once I started reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, any 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 fun that I've had while playing D&D &D has been either completely in spite of the rules because we were trying to get away with some silly bullshit or because I was just playing with really good people. Um like, a lot of D&D &D is, like, the combat doesn't really make sense. You can't really do anything fun if you're not a, a wizard. Um, yeah, so. So, have I told you about um, the local game stores? Uh, do you know about uh, Dungeons & Dragons Adventure League? Uh, no, I've never heard of this. So it's a live event that weekly you can go to your friendly local game store and play Dungeons & Dragons with people with people so with real it's like, people it's a way to get you into dungeons and dragons because it's owned by the same people that run magic the gathering they're like we have to do store events to make people want to buy new material so like it's a brand new campaign and it's kind of pretty cool um it's got a pretty cool uh xp system because if you it incentivizes you to volunteer to be the dm because that's the you know a lot of people don't like to do it but you get special stuff in game, like when you take a turn as the the dungeon master. When you come back as your regular character, you get like treasure points and gold and cool stuff for like being willing to sit a session out. So anyway, nice. I called my local game store and asked, "Do you have this program?" And they said, "Yes." And I said, "What time is it?" And they said, "Oh, you can't come play it. You're not welcome to play. We have a full game." Holy and shit. then hung up the phone on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's that, like, with D&D, &D, like, it, it's the first one, and because it's been around for so long, like, there's such a pedigree around it. Um, 
And it's like when I, when I think of times that I've played D and D, and it's like, yeah, you got to block out like six hours of your evening, and it's like, wait, so combat takes how long? And it's based on like if you get a certain roll, you don't hit anything, and then you got to wait for your next turn, and everything takes way too long. Uh, and I think I feel really lucky to be around in 2019 where there are so many fucking options for role playing games that you can play. Have you heard of Grant Howitt's other game, One Last Job? Yes, I've been wanting to play One Last Job. <laughs> Me too. We we need to do some bonus episodes where we play some of these uh, games. Oh, we definitely so, do. So, speaking of tabletop RPGs, you and I have been playing Mothership. Man, Mothership is great. So how? All right. So how would you describe? Give me the give me the elevator pitch for for Mothership for listeners who may not know what it is. It is the. It is as if uh, someone made a alien uh, tabletop game that's yep. l- similar but legally distinct. It's yeah, basically, yeah. this is a game where you could be a teamster or a scientist or a marine or an android, <laughs> and scary shit is going to happen to you. And the game is built around tension. It's built around this scary thing happens, and if you don't react well, it gets worse. Yeah, and so much of it is, I I feel like, based around sort of... uh, So it's survival horror, uh, and we've been playing it. uh, I have been playing uh, an android, and realizing how much fun it is to play androids and things, because it it forces you to... uh, Because, so, uh, your fear rating in Mothership sort of affects everything. Like, if you you get spooked, uh, you, you take a penalty to rolls, and you kind of can't do as much stuff. And if you're an android, you don't really have to worry about that because you don't really have chemical emotions. Yeah, your literal stat. So the way that this game works is it runs on a um, hundred. It runs on a percentile dice system. So everything is from zero to 100%. And your your like level headedness is 80%. So you have to roll under 80%. So there's only a 20% chance you will ever get scared in this game. So the entire game, you might have noticed, is me just desperately trying to scare you, the character, in this space station. Like, And, yeah. and it is not working at all. No. But I'm just like, okay, then let's throw this at them. And I'm just like ripping stuff completely from different games like i'm just taking (laughs) things that i've planned and just like throwing them away and saying okay fine now this happens okay well what about this yeah it's wonderful oh you don't mind that zombie robot well what if the hull of the space station ripping rips open oh that doesn't bother you because you don't have to breathe okay then blood pours through pours out of the ceiling oh you're fine with that all right fine well now we'll do this (laughs) it's amazing i and, and also the fact that it really it makes me think about how much Alien has affected how we think about space horror. Like, there kind of is no space horror without Alien, I feel like. it's Now, to be fair, um, if you're interested in Mothership, it is a... It's a tabletop role-playing game by the publishing company Tuesday Night Games. They have a Discord where everyone just shares their mods and their plans... And Ryan, you're not allowed to look at this because I'm using this stuff to run the game. game. Right. But the monsters that people are like, hey, I've made up the stats for this thing. And it's like, oh my God. (laughs) And people have these like creepypasta esque illustrations. Basically, like, Trevor Henderson needs to be hired to illustrate the, um, 
to illustrate one of the monster guides. For oh yeah, it's, it's, they just need to pay him to design a hundred monsters and publish that. Yeah, uh, Trevor uh, who uh, Henderson, who is a slimy swamp ghost on Twitter. Also, by the way, Tuesday Night Games is spelled with a K, as in Tuesday Night, as in the actress who plays Kristen Parker in Nightmare Part Four. Um, <laughs> yeah, also but has also a... like a pun on Let's Meet Tuesday Night. And yeah, also. Um, we are the nice. whole like you know fantasy games yeah have you played their other game two rooms in a boom no what is that oh my god two rooms in a boom is amazing so they have a social deduction game mm-hmm. called two rooms in a boom um what you do is there's a blue team and a red team the blue team is the president and the secret service and the red team are terrorists and you literally take two rooms in your home or the convention center or wherever you're playing it and everyone gets a card that they keep secret and the a timer is set and everyone in the room has to decide you split the group in half and put half in one room half in the other mm-hmm. and after three minutes uh, hostages have to be traded, and after three rounds, if the bomb, the person with the bomb card and the person with the president card are in the same room, the terrorists win. Holy shit! So, literally, it's the... very fun. And like... there's a lot of um, variations. So, like, there's one rule set where everyone is zombies, and there's special rules, and there are spies, and you know, so like. Everyone has a card with an actual color on it and then, Mm -hmm. like, a roll printed. But there are double agent cards where they've printed the wrong color on the card. So you can literally say, look, I'm on your team, and hold up your card, but cover with your fingers the part that says you're actually a double agent and no one should trust you. So, like, you can trick people like that. Or um, you can just, you know, tell people, oh, yeah, I'm totally on your team. You know, I, why would I lie to you? And then just break <laughs> the hearts of all your friends and family. And also, if you if you lose, the terrorists win, which I feel should be the stakes for anything, is <laughs> the terrorists win. Yeah. Um, holy shit. I, Quincy, I just love tabletop gaming so much. Yeah, and itch, itch.io is really cool. Because they've been, because uh, anyone can sell their modules and stuff. Um, I'm using the Feynman's Mining Station uh, module by Skull Dixon for um, uh, for Mothership. So you should definitely go check out Skull Dixon's other stuff. It's really great. Um, yeah. This is a week of really cool shit. I also got the Joe Bob Briggs fanzine in the mail. How is that? It's 60 pages of fan art and just transcripts from The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Holy shit. It's, honestly, I want to see more horror. I Like, we should be in a horror host revival, I feel, for how enormously popular the format is at this point. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think what I really appreciate about the zine is not only does it have the drive-in totals for every one mm-hmm. it has a transcript of the stop fiddling with your phone rant from the uh marathon <laughs> excellent and also fan art like joe bob's burgers which is uh just joe bob briggs uh drawn by matt bradshaw as uh bob's burgers see this is i think my favorite uh bit on joe bob briggs has to be uh, in season one of the, the last drive-in on shutter 
Uh, he uh, goes on a rant about how there is actually public transportation in Los Angeles and everybody should take the train. And the thing is that Christina um, is, this is deeply her shit because she <laughs> she hates the car culture in Los Angeles. She wants everybody to start using public transportation more because like you're familiar with how public transportation in LA got boned, right? Um, I'm, I'm guessing it has to do with with car manufacturers yeah that'd be right uh who framed roger rabbit which is uh, a documentary about this uh basically in the early 20th century the automotive industry uh like there used to be a really cool good thriving public transportation system in los angeles and then the automotive industry was like mm, but what if everybody had to have cars and so if you're in los angeles you have to have a fucking car to get anywhere uh and it's very bad so christina i, I think that was that was how I won Christina over to liking Joe Bob Briggs, because I think she was sort of bracing for like, all right, is he a shitty white dude who's going to make fucking shitty jokes? Um, and the thing is, classically for Joe Bob Briggs, kind of, but I think he he's made good as a, yeah, as a host. He's a good dude. Um, so let's talk about the Patreon for just a second. Of course. Um, so uh, how so how's it how's it going with Patreon? <laughs> how's, how's, how's uh, I thought you would say that. So we're currently making sixty nine dollars a month on Patreon. Nice, nice. So no one else is allowed to donate as much no. as we need more money. No, it must stay okay. Okay, unless we get four hundred and twenty dollars a month, no one right. else is allowed to donate. So four hundred and eighty nine would be the most powerful number, obviously, uh, per month. Yeah. Because it's a combination of 420 and 69. But yeah, no, it's nice. been wonderful. So we, uh, if you sign up for it, you get our show notes uh, at like what, $2? Yes, $2 a month gets you show notes. $5 a month gets you bonus audio, which we are soon to upload. Sorry about that. And $25 a month, which is a shocking amount of money, mm -hmm. gets you actual physical stuff. We send you a care package every quarter. So uh, we're just about ready to send our first care package out so that anyone who has pledged in August will get that between August and September. Yeah. And then we will send another care package out during the Halloween season. Yeah, and once again, we, we love you guys. Thank you for uh, contributing to Rank and Vile. We, uh, we want to keep doing this forever, so it really, really helps. Yeah, so that's patreon.com slash... Rank and Vile. Rank and Vile. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah, it's... it's so, yeah. Ryan, I want to tell you about Ozark Sharks. I... That's a sentence I've been waiting to hear all these years, so thank you. Tell me about Ozark Sharks. Ozark Sharks is a movie about sharks in the Ozarks. <laughs> all right, so it's not just a clever title. Yeah, it's not just a clever title. It tells you exactly what it is. So Mill Creek Entertainment sent me the shark bait, six killer shark films, and one bonus. It's It's got seven films on it, but one is alligators. So because it doesn't match the title shark bait, they are not allowed to advertise it as seven killer shark films. Excellent. The thing is that when I hear alligators, I think of sort of allosexual versus asexual, where it's just like, it's just gators. It's just gators who fuck. That's just, that's just what that is. So Ozark Sharks is, as you guessed it, a sci-fi original picture. Uh, Obviously. By, yeah, directed by Misty Talley. And it starts out with the best fake Mumford & Son, Son song I've ever heard. It oh my is God. like just loud, quiet, loud, a guy 
singing over a banjo while people were throwing frisbees in a national park in the Ozarks. Um, <laughs> this movie has uh, the girl that plays Heather from AP Bio in it as mm-hmm. the main heroine. Oh, fuck, Heather. Yeah, yeah, except she doesn't look like a fucking nerd, so I didn't recognize the her thing until is, Heather, I read the IMDb page. Heather on AP Bio, I, I love because it's what everybody's uh, adolescent horny id looks like. Yeah. It's just this kid with thick Coke bottle glasses who is just too horny to live. Yeah. It also has Thomas Francis Murphy, who rules so fucking hard as the redneck with a bunch of guns. Um He's also, he's in Darlin', which is a movie I'm super excited to see, and now I'm even more excited because I saw Ozark Sharks, believe it or not. Holy fuck. So, was Ozark Sharks fun? Yes, it was way more fun, because I find Sharknado and Two-Headed Shark Attack and all that just joyless slogs. Yeah, I, I think this is my my main beef with a lot of sort of sci-fi Sharknado uh, things, where it's just sort of like, look, this is a cynical, boring, uh, bad-on-purpose thing, and I've got no time for it. But surprisingly, this was pretty good for a CGI shark movie, because um, the acting is actually enjoyable. Really? The dialogue is not. The dialogue is very clearly, uh, you know, basic cable dialogue. But Thomas Francis Murphy has a pitchfork with machetes duct taped to it, and he uses that <laughs> to kill a shark. And he has what's basically a souped-up t-shirt cannon that they just put stuff in and shoot it at the sharks. Holy fuck. Oh, so... and I forgot to tell you, the reason why sharks are in the Ozarks is because kids are playing with fireworks and throw fireworks into the river, and it, it wakes up a dormant family of sharks <laughs> god damn i so how does it uh, stand up against uh, two-headed shark attack oh <laughs> let's just go ahead and jump into that uh they throw a shark in a wood chipper because of course they're in the ozarks so it's yes! the woods so they kill a shark via wood chipper and the best yes. thing is just like any shark movie the shark always has to lunge one final time and the way it does that is spoiler alert it kills heather from ap bio's boyfriend by shooting the shark teeth out of the um exhaust of the wood chipper oh my so god guy is impaled by like 60 shark teeth and that's how he dies <laughs> 256 shark teeth so wait so it literally is just the chain gun version of the meat gun from Existence that shoots teeth. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, that's it's, wonderful. <laughs> it just blows out a, a wall of teeth, and this guy is just, like, shredded to bits. Oh, my God. I That actually, you're kind of selling this. I kind of want to watch Ozark Sharks. It's very good. It has no right to be this good. Also, Sharkbait, the DVD that this has, uh, also includes Ghost Shark, which is about a house haunted by a shark wow so it's just a shark that haunts a house yeah and like he comes up through the toilet and eats people because he's a shark so he's like a tiny shark who can fit in a toilet bowl i mean he's a poltergeist he can be any size he wants to be well final boss the shark can. (laughs) he's like he's like ant-man but for sharks like you're in your volvo you think you're safe shark ghost shark yeah so here's the deal. It has serious pacing problems, and yet it's way... Because halfway through, 
uh, like an hour in, I'm like, okay, cool. They've disposed of the sharks. And then it's like, oh no, there's one more. I guess we have to use this big Bertha cannon to kill the shark. And I'm like, just do it already. And let's move on with this movie. I'm ready to watch uh, ghost shark now no, right no you know in, in in so many ways we're living in the uh, the shadow of jaws for the fact that the only climax that a lot of us can envision for a big shark movie you got to blow the fucking thing up yeah and they literally do with uh roadside fireworks wait so just like sort of cherry bombs that they bought in the middle of fucking nowhere in the Ozarks, and they just sort of blow him up with oh, those? Oh, Ryan, not cherry bombs. Like, the mother... Like, the, oh, yeah. the dad gum. Like, so this um, this 4th of July, we purchased dad gum, which is like a $40 firework. That's like a big, like, watermelon-sized ball. Isn't that just like a mortar? Like, you're yeah, just yeah, purchasing a weapon. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, our friend's neighbor was using his actual flamethrower for the Fourth of July. So <sighs> I mean, if you got it, you got to use it. I that's right, you know, right. Like I'm, and I'm, and I also learned this year that you can't hold a flamethrower without just looking like you're pissing. Like it is the most phallic <laughs> weapon of all phallocentric Western society. I'm gonna guess that that was um, by design. Like the guy, I mean. If you're the guy who invented something called a flamethrower, you like there's somebody 50 feet away that you need to be on fire. The guy who's designing that is absolutely going to go, okay, but what if it's my dick, though? What if my <laughs> dick is the fire? Hey, what are you going to do with that flame? <laughs> Thro fucking throw it across the room. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to prepare. Yeah, because I wonder how many drafts they went through for naming it. If, it's, if it was like flame propeller or fire gun. And then they just decided like, look. It, it's a flame. It's it throws it throw it yeets the flame. <laughs> Why don't we call them fire eaters? <laughs> fire eaters. Fire yeet with me. That's <laughs> holy fuck. All right, we got we got a little off topic. So two headed. Is it better? Is uh, Ozark sharks better or worse than two headed shark attack? It is better because it does not have Brooke Hogan in it. Well, there we go. Which you know, for me, was sort of the draw of Two Headed Shark Attack that you've got the dead, the dead, lifeless eyes of Brooke Hogan. Uh, that is its own very specific form of existential horror. Yeah, but uh, it's it's way better. It's very much on par with Mandy for just like dumb hour of filmmaking. Uh, yeah. You know, I so, we we haven't gotten. Uh, I feel like for the amount of hate that we've given the movie Mandy, we haven't really caught much hell, which tells me people can't really like it that much. Yeah, yeah. No one is like, hold on a gosh darn minute. No, no. Because like, can't if we feel that way, because if, if if we got on the if we got on the podcast and started getting picante about like Halloween or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or. The Shining, even, we've caught hell over because of the fact that I don't care particularly for The Shining. Like, yeah, Mandy, nobody's coming to Mandy's defense. Yeah, not feeling bad about that one. Nope. So, now, which would you rather watch, though, Mandy or uh, Ozark Sharks? Um, I would rather watch Ozark Sharks, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from what you're describing, they do literally, there is a wood chipper with a shark in it that shoots teeth out of it and kills someone, which is yeah. basically all I need in a movie. Now, above Two-Headed Shark Attack is the Mansquito movie about the guy, the the Berliner, 
who is not the donut, the German who's drinking blood with a glass <laughs> straw. Right. Uh, and above that is Killer Nun. I'm going to say just because it's, I don't know, Ozark Shark is a movie you can watch with the whole family. Absolutely. I and honestly. Killer Nun is one that's like, yeesh, um, hide that when the in laws come over. Yeah, nun exploitation. I feel like if I walked into somebody's house and they had Ozark Sharks uh, ready to go, I would be like, nice. And if, if they had Killer Nun ready to go, I'd be kind of like, are you some kind of weird pervert? <laughs> like, I don't know. You legally have to tell me. Yeah, yeah, it's entrapment if you don't tell me that you're a weird pervert with your non exploitation movie. So, so I, feel I would good say Ozark Sharks is better than Killer Nun, but cannot beat Mario Bava's The Evil Eye, nor Halloween Havoc 1991 with the <laughs> WCW Phantom. Holy fuck. I always, I God, I think about that Phantom so much. So yeah, so I feel good about that. Okay, Coming... so let's talk about that. They, it's Rick Rude, but you don't know that by the end of the pay-per-view. You have to tune in next week to WCW to figure out who the Phantom is. So WCW didn't lose the Monday Night Wars because they were inherently a worse product than WWF, but they definitely fucking sucked is the thing. <laughs> you like, bite your tongue i love wcw oh oh wcw is great i watch a lot of it and also it they they made some fucking choices is is what they did um but so yeah so i feel good about that so coming in at our new number 327 is ozark sharks all right speaking of sharks or really speaking speaking of sharks let's change tack and talk about bears for a minute so Holy shit. So the movie, the, uh, the, the second movie we're doing for this week is uh, a 1976 blatant, blatant, blatant Jaws ripoff called Grizzly. So Grizzly, it, for the box office, was like one of the best performing movies of 76. Yeah, apparently it was the top uh, independent movie uh, at the box office until 1978 when Halloween knocked it out of, uh, out of, out of its place. And literally, this movie is what if Jaws, but bear. Yeah, it really is a shot-for-shot shot remake of Jaws, down to like major, um, major scenes. Yeah, there's the, the the bit that I was fucking howling and pounding my knee at. So when I think of Jaws, the first thing I think of usually is uh, Captain Quint's USS Indianapolis speech. And how I think that's one of my favorite monologues probably ever in a movie for how how he plays it. Uh, and I was thinking like, oh, man, I kind of hope that some guy just does like a bad impersonation of the USS Indianapolis speech where it's like, you know, it's a bunch of guys sitting around and then shit gets real when, when one of them starts, you know, talking about a shark attack. And, and then it's this guy being like, yeah, there was a bunch of guys and they got killed by bears. It was pretty fucked up. And they were trying to approximate the USS Indianapolis <laughs> speech, but it was just like. Yeah, so, you know, there were some it guys... It really was this weird... They say... The Native American people have a story about man-eating bears. Oh, really? What's the story? That the yeah. bears ate them. Well, how do we know it? Well... And it was like the the reveal was he's supposed to say like because I was there, but it's right. like well that's just the story. Don't ask me that question. Because I was because I was bare. Yeah, no, that's literally it. He's just like I pretty fucked up if true. And you know, <laughs> I, I think it lacks it lacks the verve of I watched my friends die after the USS Indianapolis sank. Uh, and it's yeah, so it's literally there's a uh, an eighteen foot tall bear. Uh, uh, sort of running around in the forest. What uh, I also love is 18-foot-tall bear is like... Uh, 
sorry, this is also a wrestling podcast. Yeah. It's like it Vince McMahon saying, you know, seven foot tall wrestler. That bear is literally seven feet tall. He yeah. is a regular bear that they just shot from an upward angle. And they're like, uh, 18 feet, sure. It's like nothing about his measurements is accurate. They're just like, yeah. every scene, he's five feet taller. Yeah, the the, sh- the, the bears... He weighs sh- a gajillion pounds. So the, the Teddy, so the bear's shoot height is 11 feet tall. Uh, and he was billed as being uh, 15 feet tall. I, I, so I fell down a research hole about Grizzly, and I need you to understand that I would die on a battlefield for Teddy the Bear. Teddy the Bear uh, was a uh, an eleven foot tall Kodiak bear that was the uh, uh, the primary actor in the movie Grizzly. Um, Teddy the Bear is great. He so he wouldn't roar and didn't really just he, he could roar. He just really didn't want to roar, and they couldn't make him. So the way that they got Teddy the Bear to make the I'm roaring face, they would throw marshmallows at him and he would catch them in his mouth. And then on the last one, they would be like, ah, ah, and not throw it yet and make him like lean forward, opening his mouth (laughs) to make him make the I'm roaring face. What a sweet boy. I love Teddy the bear. Apparently he, um, they protected the cast and crew from Teddy the bear by, uh, via a piece of green wire that they used to make Teddy think that it was an electric fence. And he was just like a sweet boy who was just hanging out. Apparently, uh, Teddy the bear uh, was uh, grumpy during part of shooting because it was hibernation season and he just wanted to go to bed. Um, <laughs> I, love, I, I love and support Teddy the bear. Um, but so the movie, it starts off with, uh, this guy who's like helicopter dead and they're, uh, in an, uh, in a helicopter flying over everything. Helicopter um, dead in the best Tennessee tuxedo ever committed to, oh, to celluloid. Yeah. This guy is ready to roll up at, uh, Logan's bar and grill <laughs> and fucking give you the business. And he's, he's See, the reason of... why I like Logan's is. The peanut shells on the flo- floor show you that even though it's a chain restaurant, they're not pretentious. Of course, of course. That's why, I mean, that's why any of us go to Logan's Roadhouse. Um, but so he's... Anywhere else where you said the attraction is there's garbage on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's just Allergenic like, you know, trash. The great thing is that you will be thinking about brooms the whole time. Uh, and, and so this guy in a, in a helicopter, he's like cutting a promo uh, about nature and about how like oh this nature is beautiful and we shouldn't be bad at nature and it's good because we're in a helicopter and then the music over this um it is when we say that this is a jaws ripoff like orca is technically a jaws ripoff but it has other things going on they got like like the the level of imitation with the john williams score here they got like jorn Williams. yeah it's bizarre yeah and it, it sounds like uh if they got uh, if John Williams had a twin brother that they kept in an attic who eats fish heads and he's chained to a radiator, uh, it's like if they got him to try to score the love boat, and it's just this sort of like light, whimsical sort of like, and then they you contrast that with I would say the ridiculous amount of gore in the movie Grizzly. Oh, it is it's shocking how violent this is. It makes Jaws look tame yeah the amount of actual so much. limbs like, ripped off by bears in this film yeah and you never actually see a bear ripping off limbs like you just sort of you get these pov shots of what if i was teddy the bear 
and it's just like just arms and heads getting like sne- like just dashed off by by this bear. Um, but what's also amazing about the bear in Grizzly is how sneaky he is. Like, yeah, because they're not... like, we're tailing the bear, and then he's like, damn it, he got behind us somehow. Yeah, like so many, like people are just sort of at camp, and then uh, this 15 foot tall bear just rolls up, and nobody sees this huge bear that breathes like uh, if Chris Christie were a kaiju. Just like, <laughs> and the bear is just fucking huffing around, and nobody, and then they're just like, "Whoa, shit, it's a bear!" When they turn around, and then they get their fucking head snapped off. Um, it's sort of like in '98. Yeah, it's sort of like in 1998 Godzilla. Like, how the fuck does Godzilla hide in New York City? Only it's trees, and it's a bear. Um, now, so the movie is primarily a love letter to wood paneling. Um, 1976 was a good year for just everything being made of fucking wood, especially, you know, at a nature retreat thing. Um, the How would you describe the cast of characters the movie follows? It's, it's just like weird ranger who has a girlfriend reporter who doesn't actually do anything but call the, the ranger on his shit. Did you also mm-hmm. notice that his patch is not a parks ranger it is a military rangers ranger patch that they found and sewed onto his costume yeah was now is this a uh they are like legally barred from using park ranger insignia something you know probably but what i would guess is that's what was cheaper because it was 76 and you had all of this military surplus yeah they looked around and went well it's 1976 we got to do this and you know it was also shot on location in georgia so yeah (laughs) yeah i mean that makes sense and and uh so i think that they try to approximate the uh the relationship between any of the characters in jaws where you know, because you th- you think of everybody in Jaws like, all right, in this movie you also have the kind of politician character who's like the mayor from Jaws, where he's just like, meh, we should make money from people dying in the forest. And then you've got the uh, uh, the sort of like, hey man, I'm a full-time forest and I don't appreciate this sort of character. Um, none of it works because you don't actually care about any of these characters and neither does the movie. There's a naturalist who is angry because he's been walkie-talkie. He says, I've been following these deers for weeks, and your walkie-talkie scared them away. What the fuck was he doing? Just just watching them (laughs) and masturbating in the woods? Pounding it furiously in the woods. He just hops up, and he's wearing a wolf cloak, like a, (laughs) a pelt cloak. And the whole movie, he produces random sandwiches, like those gas station sandwiches from a bag, and yeah. eats them in the most inappropriate times. They're they're walking through, you know, a swamp of eviscerated campers. He's just munching on a sandwich. You want a thi- bite? His thing is that I'm sandwiches. Like, he just produces them from fucking, like, these Dagwood Bumstead sandwiches out of nowhere. And then the other character's like, hey, do you fucking mind? And he's like, nah, and he's just, he can't be bothered. Uh... And so there's one line in here that I love where it's like you've got the uh, the ostensibly the main character who's sort of like he's been trying to catch this, I cannot stress enough, 15 foot tall bear uh, and they haven't been able to find it. And he's like, uh, oh, there's something I'm not doing. And the 
girlfriend whose entire job is to uh, roast him just goes, sure, you're not killing the bear. Like, oh, like he's uh, useless? Yeah, he's pretty useless. I have to point out that this movie was directed by William Girdler, who made such cinematic classics as Abby and Three on a Meat Hook. Abby, of course, is the Exorcist uh, black exploitation ripoff, uh-huh. and Three on a Meat Hook is well that one scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but done three times. Yeah. <laughs> so it's literally just three. Yeah, like all right. So what if we just did different angles from that one scene with the meat hook, uh, and also like Texas Chainsaw. In this movie, you never actually see the bear murdering anyone. Which is, I guess, why it got a PG, but I was... PG. PG. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. This is... the, the I mean, I and I have to admit, as a horror movie, and like as a B-movie, really, really good effects and gore. Like, it's Very sh- good. It shot well. I, uh, I didn't hate, actually... A lot of this movie, like I hated any part of it where uh, there wasn't a bad Jordan Williams score. And oh yeah, it... the score makes it sound like the bear is the hero, which has I mean... me really conflicted because they kill the bear. <laughs> and um, spoiler alert: they kill the bear in this movie. No. That's the exact. If you've seen Jaws, you've seen Grizzly. So how? All right. So uh, uh, there's a, a game of cat and mouse, or I guess bear and picnic basket for the duration of this motion picture. That at the end, uh, Quincy, how how do they dispatch this 15 foot tall bear with a motherfucking rocket launcher? He blows to tiny bear bits. Oh they my show god. It. Oh my god. It's, yeah, they just show this bear getting blown the fuck up. He explodes like a hefty bag full of vegetable soup. It is, it is a it's lot. Everywhere. Oh my god. They're, they're gonna be cleaning out bear bits for, like, the next month from, from the forest. Uh, and then and the... right before that, you get the speech from the helicopter pilot about how in in the Nam he started loving killing, <laughs> and he swore he'd never kill again, but he's gonna break his oath by killing a bear. And then the other guy's like, "Yeah, sure, watch this." And Great, it's it evaporates it's, a bear. It is so funny. Like it's this one guy going, "Look, I've seen so much death. You know, it's 1976, and I I just got back from Not Trang, and you know, I saw some of the best boys of my generation. I'm like, yeah, that's great, buddy. Watch this." And just <laughs> turns a fifteen foot tall bear into a fine mist. Um, and, and then they just hop in the helicopter and ride home, and that jaunty bump, 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 score yeah. ends the movie. It's one of the. I think it's one of the most incongruous scores I've ever had the pleasure to see. It also made me think of. Uh, one, the, the reason that the movie Midsummer and Ari Aster's work really works for me, that, like, the music is telling you something very different than what the screen is telling you. Um, the the score is telling you that maybe you should uh, take a chance and learn to love again on the love boat uh, with that uh, hunky uh, businessman you saw over uh, in the other cabin, while also a bear is just blowing the fuck up uh, in, in the forest. And there's... Now, the guy that blows the bear up, is he an overactor or an underactor? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it really depends on 
you know, he, like Teddy, was trying to hibernate his career, <laughs> and it really shows in this film. You can tell that this guy is like, uh, he's like that guy in any theater department that everybody was like, sure would make it in Hollywood, and now that he does this, and it's sort of like, it's not even because he's a bad actor, it's just, he doesn't, he kind of doesn't care. He underacts so much that it, like, loops back around to being overacting. Like, he's so far in last place that he ends up in first, for me. Now... I have a question. Mm-hmm. There is a scene where rednecks use a baby bear as bait for the killer grizzly. Yep. And it is ev- eviscerated. And everyone catches these these hillbillies and says, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Does that earn or lose points for this film? Um, that the sweetest, cutest... Bear cub gets he's a, ripped to shreds. He's a little buddy. He's a black bear, and there's like a, a a fake out scare where you know they're all kind of sleeping outside, which is a thing we're doing in the bear in the bear murder woods. Um, but they wake up and there's a, a a little little black bear snuffling around, and they're like, "What? Oh, hey, little guy!" And then they wake up and sort of laugh about how cute he is, and then it's like, "Yeah, we're gonna fucking kill this baby bear." Getting getting um Teddy the bear to come around. Uh, I would say it would gain points for me if this movie had anything to say about anything. Uh, or <laughs> if it were aware that that's bad or, like, that that's horrible. Like, Jaws, um, I think, all right, th- this, uh, I'm going to, uh, I hate to try to coin a thing. I think uh, there's a genre of of horror that I would refer to as karaoke horror, where it's like... Uh, it follows the beats of a horror movie. Like, for example, like, this is obviously a Jaws ripoff, and it's sort of like, you know, Jaws is saying all of these things about corporate greed and about small towns and about, you know, man versus nature and man versus self and all of this stuff. Uh, and it's like, the movie Grizzly saw Jaws and went, oh, shit, that's that movie with that shark what eats people. Yeah, we can do that. And, like, tries to mime, like, a karaoke song, the movie Jaws, but kind of has none of the depth or anything to say. And okay, but here's the thing. It worked. It was an incredibly <laughs> popular film. Yeah, I honestly, it, yeah, what, apparently the top indie movie until uh, 1978. And it's, it, it, it doesn't work, but here's the thing. It kind of works. Um, it's a perfectly fine, uh, nature is scary horror movie. And I truly cannot stress enough how bloody this movie <laughs> what is better grizzly the karaoke horror of jaws or hands of steel the karaoke horror of terminator meets over the top the arm wrestling movie Ooh, boy 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 okay all right i i think you need to start this one off what do you think it, it doesn't have arm wrestling but they blow a bear up <laughs> <laughs> and that's not for nothing i um i feel like hands of steel did nothing for me in a way that grizzly um it's it's so much the movie that it is that it's just like you know what the people who made this movie uh the the mythology behind this movie is apparently that the the writer director um literally just saw jaws and went oh uh i saw a bear when i was a kid what if I did a movie about a bear? And it's that. And it's 100% the uh, very bad straight-to-video horror movie that you would want. I feel like, for me, that puts it above Hands of Steel. 
Um, how, which, which, all right, which would you rather watch, Hands of Steel or uh, Grizzly? I think Grizzly is more rewatchable, strangely enough. Why is that? I think it's actually, even though it's copying a film, it's copying copying a very competent film. Mm-hmm. And also, Girdler is a competent film director. Uh, let me point out that Abby, which he also directed, is in the top 100 on our list. <laughs> I mean, I... Abby at least does something. Maybe that maybe that was him trying to do something uh, after just. Oh, I'm sorry. It's now. at 130. It's our top uh, 200. Well, it could have been a, it could have, it could have been a contender. Um. All right. So let's scroll up a little bit. Uh. All right. Which? Wait. Where is Orca on our list? Oh, Orca. Oh, is 83. shockingly high. It's number 83. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I don't think this is anywhere near that. Yeah. It Okay, it's not as good as Abby, so it's under 130. Okay. Uh, it's not as good as Gremlins. It's not as good as Pumpkinhead. It's not as good as Creep 2. Uh, it's not What's as good as... What's the next shark f- or creature feature movie? Which would you rather watch? Grizzly, uh, the movie about the 15-foot-tall bear what kills people... Or Ghoulies, uh, the movie about the toilet gremlins at number 210. So here's the thing about Ghoulies. They got that mm-hmm. little cat Ghoulie. I do got the cat Ghoulie. <laughs> that little cat buddy is great. I, I do love that guy. Yeah, I, I feel like I want to give the edge to Ghoulies also because it had a tie-in with Blackie Lawless from Wasp, and it's such a perfect like slice of the mid-80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, what about the... House of Wax remake from 2005. I kind of stand that movie. I, I kind of love House of Wax, also because I feel like Paris Hilton is perfect in it. Which, if, you, if you're if you a movie that can competently employ Paris Hilton in the movie and I'm enjoying watching it, I, I that, that nuts points for me. Um, okay. All right. Is Grizzly better than Return of the Living Dead 3? Yeah, it is better. It is it is better than uh, my goth GF, uh, the zombie movie. Uh, because it, it, it's sort of at least... Big titty, piercer nipple, goth girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the big prosthetic uh, titties. I Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm giving the edge to Grizzly, also because that poster is so fucking iconic to me, of just a bear towering the fuck over people in a tent. Okay, um, so here's where people are going to get really upset, potentially. Uh-huh. Is Grizzly better than From Dusk Till Dawn? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Shit! Yeah, yeah, Grizzly's, Grizzly's better than From Dusk Till Dawn, and I'll tell you why. It's consistent. It knows what movie it is. Now, you have to remember that Klon Waldrop wrote us and said that in the 90s when the movie came out it was not advertised as a vampire movie so if you watched it oh wow pure in theater it was like and now it's a vampire movie that's actually wonderful that it wasn't yeah like if you went in you're like sort of like oh it's robert rodriguez and it's george clooney and then like also vampires yeah that's that's what's happening actually all right all right i think i would put it then just under from dust till dawn so are you saying it's better than Straight Edge Kegger, the movie Definitely. where punks are, are mean and try to kill partiers? <laughs> what if punks were mean? Yeah, yeah, I think so, because uh, Grizzly is what if Jaws but Bear, and Straight Edge Kegger is what if Green Room but Straight Edge Kids. Yeah. Cool. So yep. then that puts 
1976's Grizzly at number 218. Ryan, where can our listeners find us online? Our listeners can find us on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast, where we are permanently and abidingly shitposting. They can find us on Instagram at Just Rank and Vile and on Tumblr at Just Rank and Vile. We are on just about every platform you can uh, conceive of. We are on Stitcher. We are on iTunes. We are on Last FM. Uh, we uh, have a website that's going to be up pretty soon. Well, uh, although it's already up, I just need to actually make it look like anything uh, at Rank and Vile. If you have uh, any movies that you want us to watch, I know we weren't able to get to any uh, listener requests on this episode, you're going to want to send those to either rankandvilecast at gmail.com or drop it into our ask box on Tumblr at Just Rank and Vile. Uh, if you want to advertise with us, uh, feel free to reach out to us at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. We would, uh, if, we, if we like your product, we would love to, we would love to shill for you. Um, we are on Letterboxd. We are on YouTube. Uh, we are just all over the goddamn place. Uh, anything else? Um, especially if you have zines or um, spooky gear that you want us to talk about. If you are a writer and you want us to talk about your horror novel, um, also drop us a line and um, Hell yeah. we will take a look. Yep. Uh, but that is about all I got. You got anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.